The Linguophiles, Episode 3. Welcome back to Episode 3 of The Linguophiles. Last episode, I asked you to sit round the campfire and quietly listen. And you did, so thank you for lending me your ears. So, as a treat, I thought we'd have an exam. Only joking, au contraire, I thought we'd head out on the town for some drinks. And while we're at it, we might, maybe, possibly have a little chat about how some of these drinks got their names. So how about it? I know going out drinking can be a whiskey business, but don't worry, we'll drink responsibly. So don't whine, keep your gin up, say a couple of Ale Marys, and let's head out. Ah, puns. Tonight's gonna be fun. Right, I'll book a cab. Oh, by the way, the words cab and taxi come from the word taxicab, the two separate elements of which originate from the term taximeter cabriolet, from the Latin taxa meaning to charge, and cabriolet meaning a carriage. So, a carriage that charges you to use it. Isn't that brilliant? From now on, I decree that abbreviations are passé. When calling a cab, I shall henceforth state that I must indeed telephone a taximeter cabriolet. Oh, talking of which, it's arrived. Oh, excuse me, dear conductor of this taximeter cabriolet. Would you mind turning the music down? I'm trying to explain some etymology back here. Thanks. Where was I? Ah, yes. We're going to explore the etymology of drinks. The word etymology means the study of the origin of words. And, of course, one can get very meta about it and ask, what is the origin of the word etymology? In other words, what is the etymology of etymology? I think the first drink should be a stiff one. Well, the word etymology comes from the Greek etymologia, which, like taxicab, comprises two words. Etymon, meaning the true sense of something, and logia, meaning simply study of. So, as a whole, our word literally means the study of the true sense of things. By the way, any word with logi at the end of it means the study of. Think psychology, study of the psyche. Criminology, study of the criminal. Biology, study of bio. Wait, what? Oh, which is from Greek bios, meaning life. Study of life. There we go. And finally, our etymology, study of the true sense of things. For any Greek speakers, the English language must sound rather lazy. We've just taken reasonably common Greek words to describe entire disciplines. Makes them sound a bit posher, I suppose, doesn't it? But back to it. Let's talk about the main component in all of our drinks this evening. Alcohol. Which has a fascinating etymology. And yet again, it's a combination of two words. Al and Kul. And these words are from Arabic. Al is the Arabic word meaning the, and Kul is the word given to the black powder coal that women and sometimes men in the ancient world would use as eyeliner. Indeed, it's still used today in some cultures. That itself comes from the Arabic word kahala, meaning to paint or stain. But what has eyeliner got to do with anything? You can't drink it, please don't try, that goes without saying. But one of the ways it was made was by heating a substance called stibnite that left behind a dark powder called antimony. Now this antimony would be mixed with other things to make it spreadable to make your eyes all glamorous. But the process of heating and being left with another compound, the essence of the original chemical, is what's important here. The word alcohol started to be used for anything that was the essence of something else, from a process like distillation. 
when the essence or spirit of the thing had been isolated. You can see where this is going. Eventually, this became the term used for liquids and hence our alcohol. And don't please start using gin as an eyeliner, it's quite different. It just refers to the similarity of isolating one compound from another. Now here's something to addle you. Remember that the al part of alcohol is the Arabic word for the. Well, if you say the alcohol, you're essentially saying the the kol, which is cool. There are some other words beginning with al that are from Arabic. For example, alchemy, algebra. This is beginning to sound like an exam. I think you really do deserve a drink now. Oh, perfect timing. We're here. Thanks, mate. We're heading to that bar over there. The one called the Lingua Bar. Hmm, what a coincidence. The bar staff are very knowledgeable here. Would you mind if we started the night with my personal favourite, gin? Excellent. Hello, may I grab a gin tea, please? And whatever my companion fancies. Thank you. Mm, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, while he's making those, let's talk about gin. By the way, Arabic has a word gin, spelt D-J-I-N-N in English, which is the name of a spirit in the supernatural sense and has nothing to do with the drink. Worth mentioning, as we were just talking about Arabic. No, gin the drink is an abbreviation of Geneva. Nothing to do with the city of Geneva in Switzerland. Lots of red herrings here. Geneva was the name given to an alcoholic drink made in Holland, originally used medicinally, which is flavoured with juniper berries. Modern gin is also flavoured with juniper. The Dutch got the name from the French word Genève, which is the word for the juniper tree, originally from the Latin word for the same thing, Juniperus. Ah, here are the drinks. Thank you. Cheers. Oh, cheers, by the way, also comes from Latin, from the word cara, meaning face, distilling through to French to become chier, meaning face or mood, and then ended up having the meaning of a good mood. So when you say cheers, you're promoting good mood or good cheer to all. Also, the modern Spanish word for face is still cara, but in French, it's now most commonly visage. But I digress. Back to our Dutch Geneva. Now, this drink from the Netherlands was exported to Britain and made more popular when the British fought alongside the Dutch in the Thirty Years' War in the 1600s. The Brits saw the Dutch chugging down their Geneva to give them courage before fighting, and this is where the term Dutch courage comes from. The Brits tailored this Geneva to their own tastes while retaining the distinctive juniper influence. So, from Dutch courage we got Mother's Ruin, Trust us Brits to take the nobility out of booze. But anyway, gin is good, so can't blame those poor mothers. Booze, by the way, also comes from Dutch, from the word boosen, meaning to drink to excess. Makes sense. Mmm, this drink is lovely. But one of the reasons I'm enjoying this so much is because it's got tonic in it. Let's talk about that for a sec. This word comes from the Greek tonikos, meaning with the aim of stretching. It's where we get our word tone from, too. A bit strange, but stick with me. Ancient physicians thought that you had to stretch your muscles to keep healthy, and they created liquids they thought helped with this. Tonics, drinks dedicated to health. In fact, we do stretch our muscles to protect them from injury, and we like to keep them toned, so it's not that alien a concept. However, I'm not aware of any drinks nowadays that are proven to help with this, Maybe there are, 
answers on a postcard, please. Maybe that barman knows of any. Do you? No. Okay. The tonic that we put in gin comes from the days of the Raj, during the British colonisation of India. In India, invaders even more prolific than the Brits were the mosquitoes and their curse of malaria. There was little to help prevent this horrid disease apart from an extract of the cinchona shrub called quinine. Oh, now you're piping up, are you? Anyway, the English took quinine as a preventative. The quinine was very bitter, and to improve the taste, it was mixed with sugar and sparkling water. And there you have it, the tonic. Look at the ingredients of some good tonic, and it'll have quinine listed. In fact, there's a peculiarity of tonic. Quinine is very fluorescent, glowing strongly under ultraviolet light. Tonic is so fluorescent that even natural light can make it shine. Hold up your G&T, or just tea without the G, to some natural light the next time you have one. I can't do it in here because electric light doesn't really work. But in the sun, notice how it looks like the clearest water, with a very subtle bluish-purple outline. And there we have it. The classic, maybe not so medicinal, but certainly magical, gin and tonic. Hmm. That went down rather too easily. I thought we'd continue the night in style at a chic French wine bar I know called Le Vin Quotidien. I know the bar lady there, Mylène. She'll sort us out. And it just so happens to be next door. So convenient. Ah, bonsoir. Bonsoir, Mylène. A glass of house red, please, and whatever my guest is having. I know we're mixing our drinks, but in the name of linguistics, we can make an exception. Here we go. The French for cheers. Santé, meaning health. The French word for wine being le vin, of course. It sounds more like the English word for vine. Wine and vine are very similar words, and that's no surprise. But why the W and the V change between the languages? Well, funnily enough, in Latin, we think that a V was originally pronounced like a W. So, the Latin word vinum would have been vinum, closer to the modern English. Conversely, W is pronounced as a V in modern German, which is why the German word for wine is pronounced Wein, although it's spelt W-E-I-N. Well, that's all needlessly confusing. Many modern European languages carried on the Latin name in one form or another. For example, vino in Spanish, vince in Latvian, vino in Polish, and vino in Russian. The only exceptions are the Basque Ardo and Hungarian Bor, of Persian origin. Isn't that right, Milen? 100%, Alex. I can always count on Milen. Well, that was also rather hastily imbibed. How about a glass of something fizzy to celebrate? Two glasses of champagne, s'il vous plaît, Milen? And I don't mean any old sparkling plonk. Oh, and the word plonk, referring to cheap wine, comes from the French vin blanc, meaning white wine. The word blanc is spelt B-L-A-N-C, hence the anglicised plonk. It came from soldiers in the First World War, who found that vin blanc, or vin blanc, was cheap in the French villages. But I digress. We're talking about the very expensive champagne. There are very strict rules governing the nomenclature of champagne. Nomenclature being from Latin nomen, meaning name, and calare, meaning to call. Name-calling. The French region Champagne, formerly known as the Roman province of Campania, is the only region allowed to label its sparkling wines Champagne. Everyone else has to come up with their own names. 
The Italian Prosecco is called Prosecco because it comes from the village of the same name. The Spanish name Cava refers to the caves in which the wine is aged. In Germany, it's simply referred to as Zecht, meaning dry. Right, I think it's time to move on to something different. Merci, Mylène. Bonne soirée. I'd like to take you to a fantastic bar that just so happens to be directly opposite Le Vin Quotidien. It's just over there, see? The one called A Slave to Drink. Yes, you guessed it. It's shot time. Vodka. I know the owners, Piotr and Yelena. They know their stuff. Alex, welcome. Yelena. Now, where's that other half of yours? Your better half is here. Ignore him. Always and forever. <laughs> what can I get you? <laughs> well, uh, please forgive the unimaginative nature of my order, but I'd love a shot of vodka. And whatever my companion would like. Pajalosta. Of course. There you go. Thank you, my friends. Uh, wait, wait. Hold your horses. Let me just explain a bit about vodka before we knock it back. By the way, the phrase, hold your horses, refers to vehicles drawn by them back in the day. The holding part is telling you to keep those horses on your cart still, i.e. not letting them rush forward. So, hold your position. Keep that damn taximeter cabriolet still, good sirs. Anyway, vodka, over which the heated debate continues, originating in possibly Poland or possibly Russia or possibly please don't get angry I'm not taking sides, is from the Slavic word Voda, meaning water, with a ka at the end, which is what we call a diminutive. A little thing you can tag on the end of a word to make it seem cuter. Think dog and doggy, the diminutive here being gi. Well, in Slavic, ka can be used. So vodka means little water, maybe because you drink it in smaller quantities than water. And if you don't drink it in smaller quantities than water, drink more water. And on that note, let's down it. Which means to your health in Russian. Do you know what it is in Polish, folks? Well, that's not a million miles away. Goodness, I'm feeling a little tipsy, which is connected to the word tip, as in you feel like you're going to tip over. Topple. So I feel a little bit topplesy. I, I mean, t tipsy. <laughs> I think we'd better leave before I embarrass myself in front of Piotr and Yelena. Uh, but before that, may I have a glass of big water, please? Not little water. No more little water. <laughs> of course! That's levelled me a bit. My friends, as always, a pleasure. Have a, have good, a good night. night. Right, we're heading to that lovely-looking pub over there. I know the owner, Darren. He's a hoot. The one called Aquavitae. It's a weird name for a pub. Aquavitae is Latin for water of life, and refer to things that made you drunk. Ah, okay, I suppose not so strange a name after all. Think aquavit, same meaning. In fact, there is another popular spirit that owes its name to the original Latin term. Whiskey. This strange word is actually Gaelic in origin, Irish and Scottish, not taking sides. From the word ishkabaha, meaning water of life. The Ishka part of Ishkabaha just means water, spelt U-I-S-C-E or G-E, which in English pronunciation would be something like whiskey. So it's not hard to see how it became whiskey, and there you have it. An abbreviation of water of life in Gaelic. Who knew you spoke some Gaelic? In fact, that's what we shall have. 
Hello, Darren. Two whiskies, please. Uh, one with an E for me, and one without an E for my companion. Uh, all right. Thank you, Darren. The variations in spelling are thought to come from the different ways of writing between Scottish Gaelic, which would have been Ushka, and Irish Gaelic, Ishka. The Scots spell whisky W-H-I-S-K-Y, or you can just call it Scotch. The Irish spell it W-H-I-S-K-E-Y. Irish migrants took the spelling to the United States, which is why American whisky is spelt with the E. Well, to E or not to E, that is the question of whisky. And if all this is far too contentious for you, let's move on to something else aged in wooden barrels. Brandy. Another abbreviation of the full word brandywine from the Dutch gebrandewijn, meaning burnt wine, and again relating to the distillation process. In French, fruit brandy is referred to as eau de vie, meaning water of life. There we go again. Oh, and by the way, if you're lucky enough to have your vineyard located in the commune of Cognac, France, you get to call your brandy Cognac, but only using grapes from the region, a bit like champagne. We had a glass of that, didn't we? It's all a bit of a blur. I think I need something a bit thirst-quenching. Shall I get a round of pints in? We're still in the pub, right? Beer. Weird word, beer. And actually disputed. It's thought it could be connected to the Latin word for to drink, bibere, or the older Proto-Germanic word beowol for barley. By the way, Proto-Germanic is the very old language that gave birth to the Germanic language family, of which English is a member. Think Celeste in episode 2. And if that means nothing to you, have a listen to episode 2, in which we talk about language families. But the word deriving from beer isn't the only one in Europe used to ask for a pint of the golden nectar. Across Scandinavia, derivatives of the Old Norse öl are common, which is connected to our word ale. While in Slavic countries, the Proto-Slavic pivo, meaning drink or beer, is still in use today. But there's one word which seems pretty alien to most European countries, which is the Spanish term cerveza, or Portuguese cerveja. The term actually stems from the old Gallo-Roman cerevisia, through the medieval French cervoise. It was named in honour of the Roman goddess of the harvest, Ceres. I know, let's have one beer and one lager of your choice. Lager being from the German word lagen, meaning to store, because the drink was stored in cellars. Here we go. Cheers. Santé, Nazdrovye, Yechida, Slanja, Lachaim, Salud. Woo, I'm feeling it now, not gonna lie. Um, next on the list is Cider, which traces its roots to the Hebrew sechar, meaning strong drink. It then became known through Greek sikar and French cidre as a strong drink made from the juice of fruit. Oh, excuse me. Which eventually narrowed down to the juice of apples. And now I'm quite full of apples and champagne and vodka and gin and beer and lager and brandy and whiskey. Okay, I can't. I can't go on anymore. I think I need a soft drink. Can I have a? Can I have a coke, please? Lightweight. <laughs> Darren, less of the shaming. By the way, Coke or Coca-Cola, being its full name, is so called because it used to contain extract from the coca leaf and the cola berries. And yes, the coca leaf is what cocaine is made from. Don't worry, there's none of that left in Coke. Thanks, mate.
Oh, I'm going to call myself a taxi music cabriolet for the journey home. And let me call you one too. It's on me. Because, you know what? I really like you. Like, you're so nice for listening to my podcast for all these episodes. You're like my best friend. I love you, I really do. Dear listeners, this is Alex's mother speaking. He's just turned up here talking nonsense about something called etymology. So I thought I'd say goodnight on his behalf and thank you for listening to his podcast. Don't worry, I'll make sure he feels quite guilty for waking his father and me up. Anyway, if you like this episode, please help him to spread the word by liking and subscribing to The Linguophiles. Good night and please don't follow my son's example.